No doubt you saw the front cover of your worship folder today. It says, in times like these. It comes as no surprise to most people. Go back one screen. Go back to the previous one. Right, leave it there for a little bit. In times like these, and we are in times like these. A lot of people today are worried about a lot of things. The economic problems of our nation is, uh, is facing has forced many changes in people's lives that they did not anticipate. In fact, it has forced some changes that people would have preferred not to have made. I know that there are some of you that are looking for jobs who thought you would never, ever again have to go through a job interview. There are some of you who are back to work, which kind of surprised you because you thought you'd retired. Some of you have had to make some pretty drastic cutbacks in expenses. Some of you have seen your 401k disappear into a 201k, or maybe you're even wondering where your retirement money is going to come from. It's no secret that a lot of people in our country today, because of the current economic climate, are a little bit worried. Now, I've got to tell you something. While I'm not all that old, I've been around long enough to have seen that this has happened before. The fact is, if you've been around for any length of time at all, you have probably weathered an economic storm once or twice. Good times and bad times, as I've seen in my life, are kind of cyclical. They, they kind of come and they kind of go. Of course, that doesn't change the fact that times like this that you and I live in are tough, and these are not very fun days for many people to live in. Now, this applies, though, to much more than the economy that you and I live in today. It affects a whole lot more than your pocketbook. Some of you today are facing all kinds of different storms, different than the economy. There are people here today, no doubt, whose family life is in the midst of turmoil. Maybe you're sitting here today and wondering exactly where your marriage is. Is it on the brink? Some of you may be wondering you know, about your kids. Maybe your kids are living in rebellion. Maybe someone close to you is facing serious health issues. Maybe you're just not sure yourself what the future is really going to hold. One mistake that I've always found, however, is that in times of trouble, we often let the crisis kind of play with our head. And when it plays with our head, it creates all kinds of what I would call stinking thinking. We start saying things like this to ourselves. Oh, this is it. This is the beginning of the end. It'll always be this way. It'll never get any better. Oh, poor, poor, pitiful me. We throw ourselves our own personal little pity party. Well, that's stinking thinking. You put that right underneath that category. Stinking thinking. File it right there. See, when we face times of trouble, we need to make sure that we keep our heads about us, that we don't panic, that we don't give up in despair, that we don't somehow overreact to the situation we're in. Now, friends, today, if you're facing some difficult times, I, I, it doesn't make any difference what difficult time you're facing today, there are certain things that we're going to talk about this morning that you need to learn to hang on to even in those tough times. One thing I've discovered, now, living down in Texas, somebody, people always ask, what's it like for you to move to Texas? And I said, well, we get tornadoes. We get straight-line winds. We even get kind of the after-effects of hurricanes. But one thing I've discovered is that tornadoes come and then tornadoes go. 
straight line winds move through your property and then they move on to somebody else's property. Hurricanes come, hurricane season ends. They eventually blow over. Storms come and storms go, but the real question is this. What kind of shape will you be in once the storm has passed? I mean, will you be emotionally devastated and resentful and angry and bitter? Or will you kind of come out the other side and emerge very enthusiastic and joyful and very triumphant? Will your faith in God disappear? Or will your faith in God suddenly be stronger and more powerful than ever before? Today we want to take a look at Psalm 20, which Jimmy read to you before. It tells us five different things that you and I need to learn to hang on to in times like these. I don't care what your time is, whether you've just closed down a business, whether you're looking for another job, whether your current job is unsteady, whether your family's on, on the rocks, your marriage is on whatever, we can hang on to some stuff. Now, Jimmy also alluded to the fact that this was a psalm of victory. It was probably written by David as he was preparing to take his army into battle. And so the tone of the psalm really is this. We're about to face and come face to face with danger, but we need to see that God is with us. So let's take a look at five things we can learn to hang on to from Psalm 20. Here's the very first thing. We need to learn to hang on to our hope. Verse 1 in this text says, In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. Now, David acknowledges right off the bat, there will be times of trouble. But he says, I'm not going to let go of my hope. In fact, he goes on in that same verse, he says, May the name of the Lord, or may the name of the God of Jacob keep you safe from all harm. Then in verse 3, he writes, May we shout for joy when we hear about the victory. Verse 8, he says, we're going to rise up and stand firm. See, it's good to remind yourselves, friends, that when you're in the midst of a storm, yeah, it's kind of ugly now. I can't avoid dealing with stuff like this. The situation's there, but this situation will not last forever. The reason is because God's promises to see us through. He says, friends, hang on to the hope that you have, which is yours, in God through Jesus Christ. Now, there's another word for hope, and that word is optimism. It is expecting the best. Not because we live in a good world or have a good government or a good president or whatever. It's because we belong to a good God. I mean, believers cannot help but expect the best because our God promises us the best. In the book of Isaiah, in the 64th chapter, uh, the fourth verse, Isaiah says this, For since the world began, no ear has heard or eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Or many of you know that great promise in Romans 8.28 that says, For we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. So you can keep your hope by just plain simple remembering, friends, that God is on your side. God is always there taking whatever's going on in your life and working it out ultimately for your good according to the purpose, the plan he has for your life. There's a great Christian author. His name is Henry Nouwen, or Nouwen. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's N-O-U-W-E-N. He writes a lot about prayer. But in one of his books, he said, 
a man can keep his sanity and stay alive as there is at least as long as there is one person waiting for him. Let me say that again. A man can keep his sanity and stay alive as long as at least one person is there waiting for him. In his book, he goes on to say that a mother can stay alive just out of hope for a chance to see her son one more time. Or that a soldier can endure the horrors of battle when he knows that his wife and his children are there waiting for him. But he adds at the end, when nothing and nobody is waiting, there is no chance to survive in the struggle for life. I got some good news for you, friends. We need to remember that we are not nothing and nobody people. That is not us. We belong to the family of God. We belong, if we are Christ followers, to what's called the body of Christ. We're here, at least we're meant to be, here for one another. There are people here that love you. And I'm going to be bold enough to say this today, friends. If you've not had anybody tell you that they love you, and you don't feel loved by anybody in this place this morning, you come up here afterwards and I will tell you. I don't want you walking out of here today not feeling loved by someone. There are people here who believe in you. There are people here today who are probably got everything you need to help you get through whatever problem you're in. So don't forget about all of the people. You've got to draw on them. God provides that for us. That's why David could say in verses 3 and 8, he said, May we shout for joy. When we hear of your victory, we will rise up and stand firm. He says, we is really important. So you're not in this alone, friends. Hang on to the hope that you have in God through Christ Jesus. Here's number two. Hang on to your commitments. Verse three. May he remember all your gifts and look favorably on your burnt offerings. I think it comes as no surprise that if you're a Christian, you understand that you are called by God to serve other people. You serve other people with your hands. You serve other people with your time. You serve other people with your words. You serve other people uh, with your gifts. But again, oftentimes when we go through difficult circumstances, our first reaction is kind of to put everything on hold and kind of go into what I would call a retreat mode. As a pastor for nearly 25 years, I have certainly heard people who've said things like this. Well, Pastor, I'm really kind of going through some tough times in my life. I'm facing some difficulties at work, and I'm, I'm having some struggles in this area, so I'm going to have to bow out of serving here in the church for a while. And so they put children's ministries or youth ministry, or they put the music ministry or the other ministry on hold. They stop helping people, and they stop serving God. It's kind of like they just hit the pause button of their life. But you know what I've also seen as a pastor? The sad thing is, after the storm goes away, only a fraction of those people ever get plugged back into the ministry that they were in when they decided to step away. Sad to say, I've also had people come up to me and say this, Pastor, things are pretty tough financially. Uh, They're cutting back hours at work. I'm making a little less money, so we're going to have to probably cut back and maybe even eliminate our giving altogether. And so some people, when the going gets tough financially, stop tithing. They stop supporting worthwhile ministries. And the sad thing is, again, that most people, when the storm goes away, rarely ever get back up 
to where their giving was in the good times. Now, I want to be honest with you this morning. I apologize in advance if I'm blunt, but I'm going to be blunt with you this morning. Very honest with you. When somebody stops giving or somebody stops serving, why do they do that? What do you think? Why do people do it? Why, you know, when, when they're going through trouble, why do they stop giving? Why do they stop serving? I want you to think about that for a moment. I think when you make cuts, where do you start? You got to cut back. Where do you start? You pretty much start with things you consider to be wasteful or extravagant. You cut out what is not working. You cut out what you don't really need. You cut out stuff that is not producing as big a bang for the buck as it used to. Now, I want to suggest to you, friends, that when people cut their giving, when people eliminate their serving, what they're saying, maybe it's not out loud, but I have a feeling it's somewhere in the heart, they're probably saying something like this. Church obviously is not doing me any good anymore. I mean, I'm not getting my money's worth out of church or God. My time that I spend involved in ministry is really no longer worth it to me. I mean, after all, if it was worth something to me, I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in today. I mean, during tough times, let's be honest, friends, we can all be tempted to say, what's the use? I mean, why keep giving? Why should I keep doing without things that I want and like, just so I can help other people. Why should I keep on serving? Well, let me give you a very simple answer to that, why you should do it. The reason to keep your commitments is because God does not forget his to you, and God does not forget you when you keep those commitments. During difficult times, it may seem sometimes like you're not getting the immediate payback that you'd like to get, but God is paying attention. I mean, think about it. God sees your obedience. God sees your generosity. God sees your servant heart. God is going to reward that someday. It might be dry now, but I'm pretty much sure it's going to rain again. Hebrews 6.10. God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love for him by caring for other believers as you still do. Or Galatians 6.9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So hang on to your commitments. Here's the third thing. Hang on to your dreams. Hang on to your dreams. Verse 4, he says, May God, or may he grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. Now, when you go through a difficult time, and I've been through a difficult time, different points in my life, so I kind of know what you're tempted to think. I mean, I've certainly heard people say it. I've heard people say things like this. This whole idea of owning my own business was crazy. I should just give it up. Or I've heard people say this whole idea of having a good marriage or a strong family is kind of foolish. It looks as if it's never going to happen, so why put any more effort into it? Or this whole idea of being happy or being fulfilled and being successful is kind of a pipe dream. It's for other people, not for me. I guess I should just kind of give up ever thinking that I'm going to be happy. Take those statements and file them where? <laughs> Under stinking thinking. <laughs> That's stinking thinking again, friends. See, God has created us in such a way that he has put 
desires in our hearts. These are legitimate desires. These are desires for what is good and pure and noble. Now, they're not necessarily desires for the material blessings of life, but they're desires for things that really matter. The desire to love and to be loved, the desire to share your life with somebody special, the desire to help someone else, the desire to do work that's meaningful and fulfilling, the desire to make a difference and to enjoy life as you go through life. Now, sadly, when you go through difficult times, times of trouble, people are very helpful. They want to tell us to get real. They say, oh, come on. Get realistic. I mean, you're having a tough time now. Get real. I feel like telling them, get gone. I mean, don't be bringing any stinking thinking into my life. I mean, they, they, they kind of come up to you and they say, what were you thinking? I mean, that's a crazy dream. I mean, you're, you're never going to get that done. Folks, you don't need friends like that. You don't need them. That's why that little song we sang before about on wings of eagles or something like that. What do they say? You can't soar like an eagle if you hang around with turkeys. And too many of us have got way too many turkeys in our life. See, God has placed honorable desires in our heart, and he wants to help us see them through. See, it's a good idea in times of trouble to reevaluate your goals, to reevaluate your plan, to fine-tune what you're doing and where you're going. In fact, it's a good idea to do that all the time, but most of that kind of falls through the cracks when the sun is shining. Bill Gates one time one of the richest men in the world, I think, Bill Gates, said, success is a lousy teacher. Success is a lousy teacher. You know, that's often true. It sometimes takes a setback to persuade us to sit back and reevaluate what we're doing. So if you're going through a storm right now, friends, don't abandon your goals. Don't abandon your dreams. Don't abandon your plans. Fine-tune them, clarify them, and then... Kind of lay them alongside what God has in store for you. Make sure your dreams are in line with God's dreams. Make sure that your desires stem from God's desires. Make sure that your plans are consistent with God's plans. In other words, hang on to your dreams. That's all I'm saying. That's what Psalm 20 is saying. Here's number four. Hang on to your prayer life. It's amazing to me how many people, when trouble comes, either start praying for the first time, or abandon prayer altogether because they don't think it's going to do any good. In verses 5 and 9, David said, May the Lord answer all your prayers. Give vi-, and he mentions the prayer, Give victory to our King, O Lord. Answer our cry for help. Now, when you pray for any help, when you pray for any success, you're not being selfish. You're doing exactly what God wants you to do. The Bible, at least my Bible, I don't know what your Bible says, but I seriously doubt it says anything different than mine. But my Bible says that you should make everything a matter of prayer. You should pray continuously. You should tell God, telling him what you don't have, what you'd like to have, ask for your heart's desire. The Bible even says that a lot of you don't have because you haven't asked. This may come as a surprise to some of you, too. You never inconvenience God when you pray to him. Now, I've actually had people again tell me, I don't want to trouble God with my trivial problems. I I mean, God's got more important things to think about than the fact that I got this cold right now or whether I have enough money to pay my bill or whether my day goes well. Well, file that where? Under stinking thinking. 
I mean, the, the reason that's stinking thinking is for two reasons. Uh, the first problem is that that line of thinking implies that God has just a limited attention span, that God can only focus on a few things at a time, and that's not true. The second problem is it implies that God doesn't really love us, that God doesn't really care about us, that God just kind of tolerates us. But that's not true of our God either. See, God wants to answer our prayers. And in many ways, I'm sure, I know, when I think about my problems, they seem kind of mundane, particularly to people who are on the outside. But guess what? If your problems, if my problems matter to me, then they matter to God And God wants to help you get through whatever storm you're going through. He wants to help you overcome them, live live above them. I'm going to ask you a question, and be careful before you blurt out the answer to this one. Kind of a trick question. What is the primary prerequisite for answered prayer? I'll say it again. What is the primary prerequisite for answered prayer? You have to pray. <laughs> there it is. You got to pray. I mean, you don't get answered prayers unless you pray first. God can't answer prayers that aren't made. God doesn't, you know, he may not deal with stuff that we abandon, that we give up hope on. See, Jesus tells us to be persistent in prayer. Uh, on your message outline, I think I listed something from Luke 11. There's a story about a guy who's in bed at midnight, and some guy's banging on his front door and asking for bread. And the guy says, go away. I'm in bed. The kids are in bed. Go away. And the guy keeps banging on the front door. And he finally gets up and he gives it to the guy. And Jesus said, you know, if you keep on knocking enough, he'll get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And then he goes on with that great Bible passage about ask and seek and knock, which very literally translated from the Greek goes this way. If you keep on knocking long enough, you will receive what you ask for. If you keep on seeking long enough, you're going to find what you're looking for. If you keep on knocking, the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks, receives. I say, friends, hang on to your prayer. Don't give up on your prayers. Don't stop praying for your marriage just because your marriage didn't improve yesterday. I mean, don't stop praying for God uh, to use you just because you feel like you're in a desert today. Don't stop praying to God to meet your financial needs because you're broke right now. I mean, keep on pounding on the door to heaven. Keep praying, and guess what? The longer you pray, God will even help refine your prayers so that they're more in tune with what is his will for your life. Keep praying and let him refine the direction of your prayers. Keep on praying, and the answer will come. I guarantee it. I don't have to guarantee it. God promises it. Here's number five. Hang on to your priorities. David said in verse 7, Some boast in their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord. One good thing a crisis will do for you is that it will make it very obvious where you really put your trust. After our last national election, remember our last national election, we elected a new president. I made the mistake the next day of asking the first person I saw, well, what do you think? (laughs) Obviously, the election didn't come out the way that guy wanted it to come out. And he said something like, oh, it's terrible. It's horrible. I'm worried about our country. Our country is going to go down the toilet now. To which I replied, 
Some men trust in horses, some men trust in chariots, but I choose to trust in the Lord my God. To which he looked at me and said, what? <laughs> some people just don't get it. You see, friends, I don't believe in the future because we've got a good government. I believe in the future because we've got a great God. I don't face tomorrow without fear on the basis of how much money I have in the bank. I face tomorrow without fear because I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. My level of happiness, my level of peace, my level of satisfaction and contentment is not based on what is going on around me. It's based on what God is doing through me and to me. See, when times are good, and we've had good times, all of us have had good times at one time or another, we need to remember that it's God who blessed us in those good times. When times are tough, and some of you may be going through some tough times right now, you need to remember again that God is the one who can see you through the tough times back to the good times one more time. Don't put your trust in the economy. Don't put your trust in your job or your company that you work for, or your bank account, or your possessions. Don't trust in chariots and horses. Put your faith, your hope, and your trust in the Lord. Make Him your top priority. Rely on Him to be the source of all that you need. In times of trouble, it's really to just to keep God first in your life. Don't let fear take God's place. Don't let your hope in someone or something else Take first place ahead of God. Don't let your heart get cold and distant. Stay close to God. Hang on to your priorities. Whatever storm you're going through right now, it's going to pass. It'll pass next week, next year, five years from now. Or who knows, maybe your storm is going to pass because God in his graciousness would just take you right out of this world into the next where there are no storms. See, it doesn't really matter... How God handles your storm, he handles it. And he wants to tell you and remind you, you're not in this alone. You're not left to your own devices, neither are you left to the devices of a mediocre government or some greedy self-serving corporation. That's because you belong to God. See, the promises that God made to his people, and there are 7,000, some of them here in the Bible, the ones that he's made through the 6,000 years of recorded history in this book, these are, these are the same promises that God gives to you today. I mean, times like these, the times of trouble you may be facing right now, they're just part of a cycle that's been going on, like I said, for some 6,000 years. Difficult days don't last. We know that. The question is, will you last? Will you last? Will you hang in there? My encouragement to all of us today is simply this. Keep hanging on. Hang on to your hopes. Hang on to your commitments. Hang on to your dreams. Hang on to your prayer life. Hang on to your priorities. Hang on to Jesus. Just hang on. Let's pray.